welcome to Mayday, your flight podcast about everything you don't want to happen on your plane. I'm your host, Caroline Miller, and today we will be discussing the real miracle on the Hudson U.S. Airways 1549 versus its 2016 film adaptation starring Tom Hanks called Sully. With me today is musician and cybersecurity expert Trevor King. Trevor, welcome to the show. I'm also um, a spa expert. Oh, yes. And Trevor's also a spa expert. Trevor is currently a front desk coordinator at a very swanky spa in, in Chicago. So what what do you remember about the Hudson River landing when it happened in 2009? 2009? Jeez. For some reason, the movie came out in 2016. So I just figured that it happened. For, that took They took so long to make a movie. Well, they had to really make sure that, you know, I mean, sometimes things come out about flights years later because these investigations take a very long time. And Mm. so it's possible that they were waiting to see, like, will this incident be permanently shown as a miracle or will it crop up later that there was some sort of seedy underbelly? But spoiler alert, there is no seedy underbelly. The miracle on the Hudson is truly a miracle. And Sully is a national treasure. The person Sully is a national treasure that must be protected at all costs. Yeah, that's true. I remember it happening. I remember everyone everyone celebrating Sully. Um, I remember, and that's about it. I mean, I was old enough to know all, I knew all the details and I watched it on the news, but, you know, 12-year-old me was like, Oh, he landed on the water. Like, isn't that what there's wasn't that what you're supposed to do? If, if something <laughs> bad happens. <laughs> Aren't you just supposed to go straight for the nearest yeah. large body well, of like, water? Well, like if think if you know those safety pamphlets are to be believed, then you as a kid, you're just like, "Oh, a bad flight ends in this." You know? It's true. You just you take out your life vest, you pull down on the red tap, uh, the red tab, so it, it inflates. And if that doesn't work, you can blow into the red tube to make it manually inflate. And we will talk about people mm-hmm. not knowing how to use life vests in just a few minutes. There's so. also um, a light that you can pull to activate, but it's also water activated. Damn, you've been on a lot of flights. <laughs> <laughs> and also your lot- seat cushion acts as a flotation device. Hot damn, are you a flight attendant? <laughs> Maybe I should be. <laughs> For those who need a brief recap, Captain Chelsea Sullenberger, a.k.a. Sully, pulled off a nearly impossible feat on January 15th, 2009. There were 155 people on board an Airbus A320 that afternoon on U.S. Airways Flight 1549, and it was bound for Charlotte, North Carolina. Spoiler alert, it would not get to Charlotte. In fact, it would not get very far at all because less than two minutes after takeoff, a giant flock of Canadian geese attacked the plane in a bird strike. (laughs) And yes, I am choosing the word attacked because Canadian geese are vile creatures and probably knew what they were doing. And this caused both engines to fail. They were at an extremely low altitude of 2,818 feet giving Sully and his co-pilot Skiles very little options. 
It was mm. a situation that had literally never occurred before in aviation history and no one had trained for it. Both engines failing after a bird strike at that low of an altitude and that low of a speed in a highly populated area. So, after informing air traffic control and evaluating the situation, Sully realized that their only option that one had the best odds of the plane's occupants surviving and two had the lowest odds of ground fatalities was landing in the Hudson River. I'm going to go ahead and play the air traffic control audio for you now. The air traffic controller on this day who handled the flight is a man named Patrick Harton, and he does a phenomenal job of handling the situation. He immediately clears out all the airspace so that Sully has a lot of options. He's in good communication. He makes it clear that Sully is his top priority, and he does a great job. Shout out to Patrick Harton. So I'll play the air traffic control recording now of the actual event occurring. It is a little long. It's about three minutes and 10 seconds. So if you would rather skip ahead and not hear the whole thing, skip ahead by three minutes and 10 seconds, boom, you're good to go. But it is a really fascinating thing to listen to and to just hear it play out. Um, So without further ado, huh? How how do you think the geese chose which goose was gonna sacrifice its life, it, uh, <laughs> or do you think that they all, or do you think that they all just kind of went for it because it's an honor and they get sent to Valhalla if you if you're the goose, geese that... Valhalla. They all had a meeting that morning underneath a bridge. Wait, no, they all had a meeting that morning by a dumpster behind a Chinese food restaurant, and they were like, so, there's a flight departing LaGuardia this afternoon. It's going to Charlotte. I don't know why, but I hate it. So, Phil, you've been here the longest. Are you ready? You're a whopping three and a half years old. I have no idea what the lifespan of a goose is. You're a whopping three and a half years old, and you've been the leader for three geese lifetimes would you like to take down this plane and then phil said yes and then phil went straight into an engine geese can live up to 10 to 20 years also actually a fun fact after the goose went into um into the the propeller its liver a chunk of its liver flew off and actually went into an open window on the plane and um and and they got some nice foie gras I'm so scared, but this foie gras is delicious. <laughs> All right, that's enough. Play the recording. Play the tape. 1549, turn left heading 270. Uh, this is uh, Cactus 1539. Hit first. We've lost thrust on both heads. Returning to Ports LaGuardia. Okay, uh, you need to return to LaGuardia. Turn left heading up uh, 220. 220. Tyre, stop you to park. has got emergency returning. It's 1529. He, he uh, bird strike. He lost all engine. He lost the thrust in the engines. He's returning immediately. Cactus 1529. Which engines? He lost thrust in both engines. He said. Got it. Cactus 1529. Couldn't get it. See if you want to try to land one three one three. We're unable. We may end up in the Hudson. Hi, Cactus 1549. It's gonna be left traffic to runway three one. Unable. Okay, what do you need to land? 
Package 1549, runway 4 is available if you want to make left traffic to runway 4. What's over to our right? Anything in New Jersey? Maybe Teterboro? Okay, yeah, off your right side is Teterboro Airport. Do you want to try to go to Teterboro? Yes. Teterboro, uh, Empire, actually LaGuardia Departure Guy, Emergency Inbound. Hey, guys. Package 1529 over the George Washington Bridge wants to go to the airport right now. Wants to go to the airport. Check. Does he need assistance? Uh, yes. He, uh, it was a bird strike. Can I get him in for uh, runway one? Runway one. That's good. Package 1529, turn right 280. can land runway right. one at Teterboro. We can't do it. Okay. Which runway would you like at Teterboro? We're going to be I'm sorry. Say again, Cactus. Cactus, uh, Cactus 1549, radar contact is lost. You also got Newark Airport up at 2 o'clock in about 7 miles. Cactus 1529, if you can, uh, you got uh, runway uh, 29 available at Newark up at 2 o'clock in 7 miles. You can hear in the recording the really long pauses when Sully first says, I think we're going to be in the Hudson. And then there's just that prolonged silence on the other end of the line. The controller continues to try to give Sully options, even after the plane is at such a low altitude that it's literally fallen off the radar. And then the controller still continues to try helping, even though he doesn't even know if, if the captain can hear him. He just still continues to do his job to the best of his abilities. Um, but you can hear that fear and that disbelief. And this controller said after the incident that he, that was like the worst day of his life, specifically mm-hmm. that those minutes and potentially, yeah, I imagine maybe up to an hour where he thought that he had just lost a plane, like a full passenger flight. Um, he said that that was just an absolutely terrible experience and he experienced like permanent uh, psychological trauma from thinking that he just listened to 155 people die on his watch Um, Mm. but the controller did a phenomenal job I mean what what did what stuck out to you about that recording Sully's voice was a lot more dark and gruff than Tom Hanks's, which yeah. makes sense because Tom Hanks is an actor and he's acting. But Sully was just like, no, we can't do that. We're going to land. We're going to be in the Hudson. Mm-hmm. We're going to be in the Hudson. Yeah. And I remember Tom Hanks, we'll talk about it in the movie overview, but he has like a much softer <clears throat> voice in the movie. He's like, oh, I, I think we're going to be in the Hudson. <laughs> like, it's a very slow, soft voice. And that's what stuck out to me about this too, is that the real life Sully sounded much more confident and assertive, whereas Tom Hanks's Sully seemed kind of like soft and and calm. But just the defining characteristic of Tom Hanks's Sully was calm. And if you know, if the movie is to be believed, that guy didn't know that. I sw- I mean, they made it seem like that guy didn't know everyone survived for like for like half a day. He was like sitting in, it looked like he was sitting in like a police cell when he found out. Do you notice that? I think it was a break room, but it was just such an ugly break room that it looked like a police cell. It was in a windowless break room, a windowless break room with a table. And he was sitting there with like no other chairs. 
with a cup of yeah. coffee, moping, and then some guy came and was like, you didn't hear? Everyone lived. <laughs> like, like, the whole city of New York knows that this plane landed successfully, except for the man who feels responsible for the what he perceives to be the death of bunch of people he's the last person to know but yeah you're right he's literally crying in this break room that looks like a prison cell and then some some government officials like did you hear the good news yeah it looks like it looks like an interrogation room yeah sully tapped into his aviation expertise especially his experience with gliders and he made the most successful water landing in history as the plane was ditched in the Hudson at 3.31 p.m. The flight attendant said that it just felt like a hard landing, and miraculously, everybody was in one piece, and the plane was floating on the river, except for the back end, which was beginning to sink because of a hole in the fuselage. There were some mistakes made during the evacuation, but not by the flight crew, although some passengers argued otherwise. Regardless, someone opened a back exit door that was uh, submerged in water, and this opening let water pour into the back of the plane, and this made the plane start to sink. And so this forced flight attendants to make people evacuate by climbing over the top of seats, which sounds terrifying because there's not very much space between the top of a seat and the bottom of the overhead storage Mm. bin. So it was a tight squeeze for these people and they're in a literally sinking plane. And the evacuation was especially difficult for a passenger who was in a wheelchair. But despite all of this, everyone made it out of the plane safely and onto the wings or some people opted to stand on the inflatable slides. Only downside of those was that you were knee deep in freezing water. The water was like way 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 colder than you would want it to be um Mm. and one guy thought that it was simply too crowded and he jumped into the river and just swam until a rescue boat showed up um speaking of rescue boats rescue workers including a ferry that happened to be nearby raced to the scene and successfully rescued everyone from the freezing river in under 25 minutes what a bunch of badasses they're awesome But the ultimate badass, Captain Sully, of course, because his skills, decision-making, and selflessness saved the lives of over 150 people on that frigid January day. And Sully walked through the entire sinking plane twice to make sure that everybody had gotten out before he himself left the plane. Mm -hmm. And after the accident, every passenger survived. Uh, unfortunately, like the crash of Air Florida Flight 90, one passenger had permanent vision damage rendered because of the jet fuel. Uh, newsflash, if you didn't know, jet fuel and eyeballs do not get along well, and you will get permanent damage to your eyes if you get jet fuel on them. Each passenger was given $10,000 if they agreed to not sue U.S. Airways. Lastly... Everybody hated geese even more than they did before the bird strike after this accident happened. And I had no idea about this. After the accident, 1,235 Canadian geese were rounded up in New York City and gassed to death in 2009 alone. 
And in addition, <laughs> 1,739 goose eggs were covered in oil so that the goslings would suffocate upon hatching. What? I know. And that, like, that's pretty brutal. And I don't even like geese, but that's pretty brutal. Yeah, there's not an easier way. I, I mean, you could just smash them. Yeah, like, what if you just... I feel like that's that's way more quick and painless. Just freaking line them up under a... Um... Steamroll these gooses. Yeah. You're not going to fly into an engine on my watch. That's not a yeah. bad idea. Uh-huh. Um, maybe or... they did take on your idea because since then, 70,000 geese have been killed on purpose in New York City as a result of the ditching of U.S. Airways Flight 1549. So, ready to get to the movie? Yeah. this is The movie is really good. The movie is really good. It mainly focuses on where my flight summary left off, which is the investigation post-ditching. This movie was written by Todd Komernicki, and directed by Clint Eastwood, and it debuted in September of 2016. Also, obligatory. Spoiler alert for cinematic masterpiece Sully starring Tom Hanks. I am about to literally spoil the whole movie, so don't listen if you don't want to. But also listen because I like it when you listen to the whole episode. (laughs) It opens with Tom Hanks. I freaking love Tom Hanks. As Captain Chelsea Sullenberger, a.k.a. Sully. He's sitting in the cockpit with his co-pilot, and they hit some birds. Birds, he cries! And then the plane begins a terrible dive through the heart of Manhattan, eventually crashing into a building, and a giant fireball erupts and hundreds of people die. But then, don't worry guys, because this is just a dream. He sits up in bed, sweating panting and and then he remembers oh i'm in new york and i'm sully sullenberger and he turns on the tv and sees footage of what actually happened in real life which is the landing on the hudson river that at this point in the movie has occurred just a few hours earlier that day but tom hanks can't relax because tom hanks as captain sully has to go meet with the National Transportation Safety Board because the National Transportation Safety Board has a job to do. The bad guy. And a not-real NTSB investigator named Charles Porter asks Sully some questions that infer that the NTSB thinks that Sully actually did something bad and dangerous and unnecessary. So, for example, he asks, when was the last time Sully drank? If he has any home problems, does he do drugs and some other things? Double spoiler alert. The NTSB becomes the villain in the movie. They are vilified. They they don't look they don't look good. They're fun to hate. Yeah, they're the bad guys. <laughs> anyway, uh Sully answers that his last drink was nine days ago, and that he doesn't have any more home troubles than anybody else. Then the NTSB drops the proverbial bomb that they have enough evidence to support a theory that the left engine was not dead after all, but it was just idle. And Mm. this means that Sully could have gone back to the airport and not landed in the river. And if this is true, Sully's career is over. 
And it's worth noting that the NTSB seems to be a bunch of pricks who have already decided that Sully made a selfish mistake and they're out to prove themselves right. When the co-pilot, Jeff Skiles, portrayed by Aaron Ecker and an amazing mustache, snaps at the NTSB and tells them off, it's very satisfying. Because at this point, we freaking hate the NTSB as an audience. Later, Sully and his wife, portrayed by Laura Linney, are talking and oh no, are they stressed. They're having money problems. What about the house? And also, they can't find tenants for a rental because it's the Great Recession and everything is bad. And so we now know that if Sully loses his job, not only will he have lost his ability to fly for a living, which is something that he loves, but also his family is going to be in financial trouble. After one of the many jogs that Sully takes through NYC in this movie, Sully ends up in an interview chair with Katie Couric as herself. Before the interview, the makeup artist gives Sully a surprise smooch on the cheek, which is weird and probably messes with the makeup that she just spent 45 minutes putting on him. And in the interview... (laughs) Yeah, it sounded just like that. And in the interview, Katie Couric as herself basically asks, isn't it you know, great to be a hero and know that everybody loves you. And and Sully responds with, I don't feel like a hero. I just did my job. Because Sully is a humble, very cool person. And after the interview, Sully, unfortunately, has another hallucinogenic episode of PTSD as he again looks out the window and sees his own plane crashing into downtown Manhattan. Next, we see the first of several flashbacks to Sully's youth, including one where he is learning to fly as a teenager. Uh, We gather from this that Sully has a long and meaningful relationship with aviation, and it seems to be a large part of who he is as a person. So it's not just a job to him. Next, we have another meeting with those NTSB assholes, who gleefully tell Sully and Skiles that the computer simulations from Airbus show that it was indeed possible to turn back to LaGuardia or Teterboro. And at this point, we as an audience just hate the NTSB and their smug faces. And Sully and Skiles go back to the hotel, where Sully gets surprise hugged by the hotel manager. And... After a brief flashback to the accident sequence, where Sully informs the plane to brace for impact, well, not the plane, the plane doesn't care, he informs the passengers to brace for impact after talking with air traffic control, we are taken to another one of Sully's present-day nighttime New York City jogs. He sees an old fighter jet on display and has another flashback to his time in the military specifically the day that he successfully landed a crippled aircraft, much like the one on display. After the flashback, he goes to a bar to drink his sorrows away, until a bartender goes, You're the guy, right? You're that silly guy. We have a drink named after you. And the the drink is gray goose and a splash of water, which sounds absolutely terrible oh get it another guys of the bar go ah you're silly ah goose jokes <laughs> gray goose and a, they should have had a splash of salt water that's what it should have been and ice is the hudson salt water it should have been garbage water like dirty <laughs> dish water 
should have should have had trash and chemicals in it. After having yet another flashback, which is a highly detailed and accurate recollection of the whole accident sequence, Sully has a brilliant idea. And he leaves the drink basically untouched. I don't blame him again. That sounds like a terrible drink, just vodka and water. And he leaves a $20 bill under it because Sully's a nice guy. And at 1 a.m., he calls a buddy of his at U.S. Airways and says that he needs to order manned pilot sims from Airbus for the NTSB hearings, not the computer sims that Airbus put together, because people behave differently from computers. This is a good idea, so I'm glad that Sully had it. So, we continue. On the big day, it is the National Transportation Safety Board hearing. Charles Porter, one of the NTSB agents who isn't a real person, very saltily informs the room that Sully made Airbus put together manned simulations at the last minute. He is clearly not pleased about this. And then they run the simulations with two different sets of pilots for each airport, and disappointingly, the pilots successfully land at both airports. Charles Porter smugly informs the audience at the hearing that the landings at either airport were very possible, making a thinly veiled statement that Sully endangered everyone's lives for attention, some other bad reason, who knows. He also says that Sully's demands for manned simulations were unnecessary and a waste of resources. But then, in a moment of pure Hollywood, Sully cuts off Charles Porter and says... Now, let's get real here. And everybody goes, <gasps> And then Sully asks, How many times did the, pro- did the pilots practice to land those aircraft? And then the NTSB mumbles in response that those pilots practiced over a dozen times before successfully landing in the Sims. And everybody goes, <gasps> it Yet again. And the NTSB is seemingly withholding this information in hopes that the FAA would suspend Sully's pilot's license over their biased presentation of evidence. Because again, we hate the National Transportation Safety Board in this movie. And then, Sully demands that the pilots are brought back into the sim and given a 35 second delay to represent the amount of time it takes a normal person to take in a crisis situation and take action. After this human reaction time buffer was set in, both planes crash in the sim. One of them crashes into a pier, and the other one crashes into some buildings. And Sully and Skiles are vindicated, and everybody's so happy, and the NTSB is like, They got embarrassed. They left with their tails between their legs. (laughs) And... At this time, it is revealed that the left engine has been recovered from the river, and it is revealed that it was destroyed in the bird strike, as Sully had said earlier, further proving that it was not possible for Sully to return to LaGuardia or divert to Teterboro. Sully is, 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 um, what's the word? Sully is free, and the NTSB begrudgingly says that he is a hero, and that he 
doesn't have to have his license revoked and have his career ended. And Sully then emphasizes the fact that the miracle wouldn't have happened without the help of Skiles, the flight crew, the rescuers, the air traffic controllers, the passengers, and the first responders, which is true because it was a team effort. The end. And everybody clapped. So, what did the movie get right about this incident? And what did it take a little bit of liberties with? Uh, Let's start with what it got right, because it was a very good movie, and it got almost everything mostly right. The actual recreation of the flight itself was very accurate, along with the accident and the recovery. That's the best part of the movie. Yeah, that is. I think that's my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, all the crash when it shows the crash and and all the people on the wing and the and the people that jump in. You get to see that guy. Was that guy that jumped in? Was he the one that got jet fuel in his eyes, or was it the other woman that jumped in? Oh, the <laughs> oh yeah. This is where we mention that there is a character in this movie who does not pay attention in the safety videos and does not know how to put on a life vest because she gets her life vest and puts it on one arm and then jumps off of the wing and does not correctly place her life vest over her head at any point. It just hangs on her arm completely useless. Uh, But she was not a real person. Nobody on the plane was that stupid, so that's good. Hmm. Um, I I don't know... Who got jet fuel in their eyes? It's it's possible that one of the people in the life rafts got jet fuel because the the life rafts did have a lot of water and they could have fallen and when they fell they could have gotten water in their eyes. Uh, I don't think it was the guy that swam because I think that they would have mentioned that because uh, mm. in my research that that one passenger is mentioned specifically multiple times. That there's Hmm. one guy who just jumped and swam. I'm not a pilot, so you might be thinking, how can you tell whether or not a flight accident reenactment is accurate? Well, I can't because I'm not a pilot. So I used the opinion of a real pilot. The YouTube channel 74Gear is run by a 747 pilot named Kelsey, and he did a review of the accuracy of this flight sequence. If you'd like to watch his take on the flight scene, I'd highly recommend it. Uh, Check out his YouTube channel. Good stuff. Uh, As far as Sully's demeanor, character, and actions, I believe that was also quite accurate since the real-life Sully was involved with and approved parts of the film. Tom Hanks certainly looks a lot like Sully with his neat white hair and mustache, and Aaron Eckert's mustache in the movie makes him look like the spitting image of Jeffrey Skiles. Side note, I love how Skiles and Sully always have each other's backs and stick up for each other throughout the whole movie. I just think it's a great portrayal of a man-to-man friendship. And, you know, they're a team and they're professionals. And I just thought that was a nice thing to see. The biggest discrepancy in this movie, which you may have inferred through my uh, reading of the plot synopsis, is the filmmaker's choice to vilify the National Transportation Safety Board. Maybe Clint Eastwood has some sort of beef with the National Transportation Safety Board. I don't know. But the government organization is portrayed as biased and, frankly, out to get Sully at 
all costs. The film does a very good job at making everyone on the NTSB board extremely unlikable, and we are led to believe that their goal is not to solve why this incident occurred and put precautions in place to ensure similar accidents don't happen in the future, but we are instead led to believe that the NTSB's sole purpose is to screw over Chelsea Sullenberger. It also explicitly shows in a scene that the only reason Sully didn't have his career ended and potentially go to prison is because Sully himself in the movie requested manned sims and manned sims with pauses in an extremely dramatic and confrontational fashion. This didn't happen. In reality, the National Transportation Safety Board is an organization with one job and one job only, and that is to keep you safe when you travel in the United States of America. They investigate all potential causes and angles, actively trying to eliminate bias until they come to a conclusion that has been proven beyond a doubt and is supported by a large amount of evidence. The NTSB does not decide what they want to see early in the process and do anything possible to spin the results to support what they want to see. That's just not how it goes. And a perfect example of this is that in real life, the person to order the manned sims and the manned sims with pauses, that was not Sully. That was the National Transportation Safety Board themselves. They were the ones to say, hey, I don't think these computer sims are realistic and even these manned sims I don't think are realistic because they're not taking time to react to the situation. So they were the ones to push for these simulators not Sully. That wasn't Sully's job, and it was the NTSB's job, and they did it well. And they ultimately ruled that Sully did everything right, and that he made the correct choice to ditch in the Hudson. If there was a real-life villain, it was actually the media, which ironically is portrayed very fav favorably in the movie. Maybe that's because it's harder to vanquish a large abstract concept like the media, so they opted for a government organization like the NTSB to make the villain. I, I remember at the time of the accident noting that the media was very quick to drag Sully over the coals as soon as those early sims were made public that showed it was possible to go back to the airport if you just immediately went back to the airport after the bird strike. So in a way, the movie portrayed the media as nice and the NTSB as mean and biased. But in reality, it was backwards. The NTSB was doing its job, figuring out the truth of what happened through thorough and unbiased testing. And the media was also doing its job, making people look bad for money. Also, a lot of women just threw themselves at Sully. <laughs> Did this happen in real life? What's going on? Why are people just kissing and hugging Sully out of nowhere? You know what the, also the nice thing about the movie is? Hmm. It's short. It's only an yeah. hour and a half. It was like they're like, let's make a movie about the Hudson plane crash. And then they're like, okay, we can show the plane crash for like 30 minutes. What do we do for the other hour? Yeah, that's true. You can't make a three hour movie about a flight that was less than two minutes long. Like you just yeah, and no one even dies. It has a happy ending, like on its own. So there's no need to have like there's no like arc in like an arc within that story. I mean, in general, I I really liked the movie. Uh, the cast did a phenomenal job. 
And they clearly put a lot of care and effort into making sure that the aviation aspects were all accurate. I think that they took a lot of time to make sure that they were portraying the real people involved in the accident as accurately and kindly as possible. Um, my, my only gripe is that I, I think they should have been nicer to the NTSB. So if you have any thoughts about the Sully movie, Tom Hanks, or making the NTSB look bad, send me an email at maydaymaydaypod at gmail.com or send me a DM on Instagram at maydaypod. And Trevor, thank you for being with us today. It was so fun. Thanks for having me. Send mail. Send listener mail, everyone. And leave reviews. If you're on Apple Podcasts, scroll on down to the very bottom. It's hidden, kind of. You gotta scroll all the way down, and then you can leave a review and a rating. So do that. Wow, Trevor, you're doing my job for me. (laughs) Until next time, don't fly American, stay away from geese, and... Be nice to your pilots. Bye-bye.